Where is God in the midst of a story like Zach and Beth's? This isn't such an unusual story, is it? Many of us have experienced infertility or know someone who has. Those of us who have gone through that know the, the questioning and the doubts and the pain that can be involved in such a, a heartfelt issue in our lives. All of us, at one time or another, have experienced the pain of disappointment, the brokenness of unfulfilled dreams, the fading of hope in our lives for something that we've longed for, that we, we've prayed for, and that we're wondering, where is God in the midst of this experience of my life? Christmas can be a joyful season, but it can also be emotionally challenging for us because it highlights some of those missing places in our lives. It can poke at the pain of some of our disappointment and our longings. Yet if we think about it, the true meaning of Christmas is that even while we are seemingly in dark places in this world, we can have hope that God is a God who promises that he is with us and that he loves us and he cares about where we are and what we're experiencing, both the joys and the sorrows, the ups and the downs, the fulfillments as well as the disappointments. It's at Christmas time that we have the opportunity to learn again that God knows and is aware of our pain and our struggle, and he has a plan to bring hope in the midst of the darkness of our lives. You see, the story of Christmas is intended to remind us of this hope that God brings in the gospel message. Gospel simply means good news in the midst of a world filled with bad news. And boy, do we have a lot of bad news these days. And we're invited again to open ourselves to the possibility of receiving that gift of hope in our lives again. Today, this moment, this morning, this season. That's what the season of Advent is really all about. It's a season of anticipation. The four weeks leading up to Christmas is a time of remembering that the people of God through the centuries have been a people who have anticipated the fulfillment of God's promise in their lives. They've hoped beyond hope that the God of the Bible is real, that the God of the Bible is trustworthy, that his faithfulness is able to carry us through some of the most difficult and seemingly lost places of our lives. When we move from fear of uncertainty to hope in God's promise, not only is the kingdom of God expanded in our lives, but families are impacted, marriages are changed, and the world around us is changed as a result. Zach and Beth's story is not an unusual story. But what is unusual about Zach and Beth's story is that the story of Christmas actually begins with their story. Would you turn with me to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1? If you want to follow along in the Bibles provided, it's on page 1587. We'll also have the words on the screen. In chapter 1, verse 5, it says, In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zach, Ariah, who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah and his wife Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commandments and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, 
All the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing in the right side, at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will call him John. He will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many people, many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of parents to their children. And the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man and my wife is well along in years. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. But now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at the appointed time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. And when he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple for he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. When his time of service was completed, he returned home. After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. Zachariah and Elizabeth, Zach and Beth, come from a long line of priests in the nation of Israel. Both of them, the Bible says, were righteous in the eyes of God. They, they lived all the commands perfectly, well, as perfectly as we can as human beings. But they remained childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive and they were getting along in years. Now, we have to understand that childlessness was both a personal issue and a social issue for a, a couple in these days in Israel. For an Israelite, it was part of God's promise to bless the nation and to bless the whole world by providing heirs for them. They were to multiply and, and to be a blessing as God blessed them. And to be without children and especially without sons was very difficult and was experienced as shameful and even disgraceful in that society. Do, do I have favor with God? Why, why has he not blessed us with children? Is there something wrong with me? What, what have we done? Where is God and why is he not responding to our prayers? Many people today struggle with this issue of infertility as well. Tammy and I went through years of infertility and we know personally the difficulty and the challenge of seeking God in the midst of this longing, this hope for a child and not being able to conceive. And, and what does it say about us? And what does it mean? And where is God in the midst of our lives? It's a very challenging, difficult thing to go through. Yet there's also a larger pattern of life that's illustrated by the story of Zach and Beth. Life doesn't always work out the way that we hope it will. A friendship falls apart. Someone we're in love with breaks up with us and breaks our heart. 
A job evaporates and we experience long periods of looking for work that never materializes. Or our young adult children grow up and make less than optimal choices for their lives. An illness strikes our body or our parents get divorced and we experience that they can't care for us in the way that we need or want anymore. And sometimes we even have to go live somewhere else. See, many of these life circumstances can cause us personally to feel a sense of shame or a sense of disgrace that somehow there's something wrong with us because life isn't working out the way that we hope or the way that we long for. Do we have God's favor or not? Does he even care about our lives? We wonder, is there something wrong with me? Yet in the midst of our uncertainty and our doubt as human beings, Christmas comes and is about the reminder of hope of God breaking into the darkness of our world. At Faith Covenant Church, we want to be a church this year that again rediscovers the true meaning of Christmas, that even while we are seemingly in places of darkness, we can have hope that God's promises are true, and they are true for you, and they're true for me, just as they were for Zach and Beth, and that his promises can and will be fulfilled in our lives. Zach and Beth's story reminds us, though, that there are two things that can often get in the way of receiving that gift of hope. Those two things are fear and doubt. The angel of the Lord appeared to Zachariah, and it says he was gripped with fear. I mean, well, who wouldn't be afraid, right? Some angelic being manifests itself in the middle of worship, and you're like, whoa. But I think there's a deeper meaning here, too, that often we pray for God to reveal himself in our lives, and when he does... I think one of the risks is that we can shrink back in fear. Because God often challenges our assumptions and shatters our own expectations for what we think our life should be, what we think we want out of life, what we want on our Christmas list. And often God's gifts to us come in radically different ways than we would expect or anticipate. And too often I think we become afraid that when we don't get what we think we need or want, that God is somehow punishing us. God is somehow against us. God isn't showing us his favor, because if he did, wouldn't he give us what we most deeply want and long for? But the angel came to Zach, and he said, don't be afraid. Your prayer has been heard. Sometimes I think we spend so much time thinking about what we want on our Santa list that we don't spend as much time thinking about what we want on our prayer list. You know, we we come to this time and we start asking each other, you know, well, I need ideas for you for Christmas and what do you want me to get and, and what do you want for Christmas? And we spend a lot of time thinking and planning and talking about what we want on our Santa list and what we want to buy for Christmas, but how many of us actually spend a lot of intentional time creating a prayer list and bringing those requests to God and saying, God, this is this is what I'm hoping for. This is what I'm longing for. And persistently and trustingly bringing those requests to God and allowing him to speak into our lives about what he wants to provide for us in his mercy and his love and his grace. The angel said to Zach, your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you'll call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you and many others will rejoice because of his birth. 
See, this is a reference to the fulfillment of the promise going back to the people of Israel all the way to, the, uh, to Abraham, like we said before, that, that God would bless them and they would be a blessing to the whole world. And now Zach and Beth were going to receive a child that they had prayed for, but it wasn't just to overcome their disappointment. It was going to be a gift to the whole world, that many people were going to be blessed because of this gift that he was giving to them. And of course, we know in retrospect that John came as the forerunner to the Messiah, the one who would come to prepare the hearts of the people to receive the gift that God was bringing into the world. The prophetic promise, interestingly enough, goes all the way back to the Old Testament promises of God. Here's an interesting thing about the story of Zach and Beth. If you look at verse 17 of of that chapter 1 of Luke there, where he talks about the the prophecy of this son that he's going to be given... It says, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Now, if you were a a, a good Israelite, you would recognize that that's a quote from an Old Testament prophecy. If you, if you turn back in your Bible just a few pages into the Old Testament, you don't have to go back very far. It's just this thin little thing to the last book of the Old Testament of Malachi, to the last verse of the book of Malachi in chapter 4, verse 5. We see that the closing of the Old Testament canon, as we have it, lists this final prophecy from Malachi. It says, See, I will send the prophet Elijah to you before the great and dreadful day of the Lord comes, and he will turn the hearts of the parents to their children, and the hearts of the children to their parents, or else I will come and strike the land with total destruction. Now, what we don't recognize often is that this last prophetic word from God to the people of Israel marked a long, dry spell of 400 years before the prophetic voice of God was heard again in the nation of Israel. And when the voice comes again in the story of Luke, God picks up the same story where he left off 400 years ago with this promise being fulfilled in the giving of the gift of Zach and Beth's son, who would be named John. When God moves to act to fulfill his plan of hope for the people of Israel, the last word that was given becomes the first word in the new story that he's telling. Out of barrenness, God is bringing fulfillment. Yet Zach doubts. That's our second risk, right? We can fear or we can also say, oh man, there's just no way. I can't believe that. That's impossible. How could that ever happen? Can you blame him? I mean, what Gabe is telling him is impossible for him. I mean, his wife is, uh, is infertile. They're, they're beyond childbearing years. How could it even be possible? How can your, what you're telling me become true? How do I get an ironclad guarantee that this promise is going to happen for me? And because of his doubt and his unwillingness to believe what the messenger of God is bringing him, the angel causes him not to be able to speak. Now, I I think that this is not so much a punishment as it's like we as parents do with our kids, right? They're just not listening. They're just not getting it. So we say, okay, time out. (laughs) No talking. (laughs) Spend some time thinking about this and reflecting on where you are in the midst of this story. Zach, think about this 
God that you're talking about. This is the God of the impossible. This is the God of your fathers and your mothers who, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, who rescued you from slavery, who, who led your people through the desert for 40 years and, 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 and led them into the promised land. Are you, are you really wanting to question whether this is possible for God or not? What about for you or for me? What sign from God are you looking for this Christmas? What is it that God could do in your life that would make you pay attention? What is it that if God were to show up in some specific way would allow you to put your fear and your doubt aside and to again believe that God wants to bless you with a gift of hope again this Christmas season? If he did, if God showed up, if God gave you a sign, would you even believe it? Or would you just write it off as, oh, that's not possible. God could never do that for me. Are you willing to put aside your fear and doubt this season to receive the gift of hope that God has for you again? I love Elizabeth's perspective that she shares at the end, right in verse 25. When, when she gets pregnant, uh, uh, she, she turns around and she says, the Lord has done this for me. In these days, he has shown favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. The Lord has done this for me. This was a statement of faith. She could have just as easily believed that it was, you know, some, you know, t- tweak of biology, Right? Well, we just happened to get pregnant. But no, she believes that the message that God gave to her husband was true and that God had done this for them. Fear, doubt, disgrace, disappointment are turned into freedom and excitement and rejoicing as Zach and Beth's family are impacted in impossible ways because of their trust in the God of the Bible. And their blessing is a sign of God's blessing to the whole world. God has done this for them, but God has also done this for you and for me. We are to receive the gift of hope through the encouragement of the story of Zach and Beth. Because God has used their struggle to manifest his promise of hope into the darkness of the world. How does God want to impact your family this Christmas? How will God break into whatever darkness or fear you're experiencing and shine the light of hope for you? It might not be the same kind of answer that Zach and Beth received. It might not be a glowing angel who descends from heaven and appears in your living room around the Christmas tree. But nonetheless, God is a God who shows up and is willing to speak his word of hope to you and to me this Christmas. Are you open to receiving the gift When it arrives, we're reminded by the story of God's promises in this season, going back to the prophets of old. In Isaiah 7, 14, Isaiah says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. The virgin will conceive and the sign will be to you a child That is a sign that God is with us, Emmanuel. God is with you no matter where you are, no matter what you're experiencing, no matter what fears or doubts you have, God is with you in the midst of it and wants you to experience hope that he can make a way through. Isaiah 9, 2 reminds us that the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. 
On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. When we move from the fear of uncertainty to hope in God's promise for us, not only is the kingdom of God expanded in our lives and in our church and in our families and in our marriages, but the families that we are in relationship with are impacted. The people in our community who see the light of hope in our eyes are impacted. And maybe, just maybe, they might be open to saying that maybe there is something to this gift of Jesus Christ in this Christmas season. This Christmas, as a church, we are reminding ourselves that it's not about the presence. It's about the gift. It's about the gift of relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ, who came into the world all those many years ago to give his life so that we can have life and have hope and have joy in believing. This gift is for you and for me this Christmas. Go ahead. Open it. Let's pray. God, we do thank you that you are a God who invites us to anticipate good things from you. As we experience the anticipation of the Christmas season again, and we go through these weeks of Advent that lead up to this hopefully joyful, intentional time of merriment and worship and family and feasting. God, would you remind us in the midst of that that your gift of hope to us comes in often unseen, humble ways, and that if we are, are willing to overcome our own fear and our own doubt and just believe in you, that we can open this gift for ourselves again this year. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Kurt, thank you so much. Go ahead and open it. I love it. Absolutely wonderful. We are blessed with so many rich, wonderful ministries here at Faith Covenant Church. Um, One of our ministries is this time of the year, and it's the Giving Tree. And I remember 25 years ago when we sat in the pews and worshiped, um, we participated in that. So this, this tradition's been around a long time, and the Giving Tree allows us an opportunity to purchase gifts for children and families at ECAP and some other families that may not have gifts at all. And the giving tree, by the way, is right out there, and it's well lit up. So on your way out, grab a couple of tags and buy some gifts for some of the kids and families. Bring them back in a couple of weeks. This is just one of the many ministries we have at Faith Covenant Church that take place because of your generosity, your gifts of time, talent, and treasures. Will the ushers please come forward to receive our gifts and our offerings?
Noreen, thank you so much. Jacob and team, absolutely a blessing. Thank you. I encourage you to take a look at your bulletins for all the various activities that take place here at Faith Covenant Church. I'd like to highlight just a few of them for you. Next Saturday is the Santa Parade in downtown Sumner, and we will have a float. We're going to be sharing uh, hot cider with folks, and on the outside of the cups is all the information that's going on in our Go Ahead and Open It Christmas campaign. We have a new membership class next Sunday, the 6th of December. If you're interested in joining Faith Covenant Church, I encourage you to come. It's 4 o'clock to 6 o'clock. Sign-ups are out in the Welcome Center. Also, if you need child care for that event, please let us know today. Now, Kurt highlighted the fact that we have these wonderful little cards. I um, just want to highlight a few of the things that are going to be taking place. We have the Fala Lollies, and it's going to be Friday night. We're doing it twice. Friday night... Uh, December 11th, 7 p.m., and then Saturday, December 12th at 2 p.m. We have the longest night service of the year, and that's going to be Monday night, the 21st. Encourage you to potentially come to that. And also, Christmas Eve services. And by the way, Christmas Eve is going to be on December 24th again this year. No confusion. <laughs> December 24th, Christmas Eve. We are going to have a 5 o'clock and a 6.30 service. These are going to be a little more upbeat, a little more contemporary. And then at 8 o'clock, we're going to do a classic um, candlelight Christmas Eve service. So plenty of opportunities to worship our Lord during this season. And I want to reiterate what Kurt said. Take these. They're in your pew racks. They're out in the worship welcome center. Please take them and hand them out to everyone. I encourage you to stand up. Kurt, come on up and give us a closing blessing. And we invite our prayer partners to come forward as well. As you go out now today and into this Christmas season, trust in the maker of all creation. Honor God with an enormous faith and extend yourselves in love. For no one lives beyond the Spirit's reach. And because of Jesus, we can have hope. Amen. Go with God's peace.